So as I said, we're on to a, a new sermon series, and we've left the, the seven churches, and that was really cheery, wasn't it? So, so now we're on to Jeremiah. <laughs> if you know the prophet Jeremiah, he, he, was, he, was, he was famed for being the complaining prophet. But he had a lot to complain about. If I was Jeremiah, I would complain a lot too. My goodness me, he, was, he wasn't given an easy lot by God, really. It was sort of say, sort of it's in chapter one in, in verse um, seventeen. He says, "Gird up your groins." <laughs> you know, he says, "Like pull, up, pull your trousers up, man. Get yourself ready. Get yourself prepared. You know, get ready for battle. Pull up your groins." And um, he said, "You better go out there and preach my word, and don't break before them." Go there and tell them my words. Prophesy what I've got to say, and do not break before them. Can you imagine he's given a message which is about repentance and about turning back to God? And he's telling the people about their wickedness of the sin of their ancestors and how God's punishment is going to come upon the people in Jerusalem and Judah. Family, relatives, loved ones, kings. And he's got to stand there and proclaim these words and says, and he's not to break, he's not to cry, he's not to become fearful, he's not to become weak. But he just stand there and say, this is what the Lord declares prophetically to you. And do that with fearsome anger. To express God's anger towards his people. And he says, if you break before them, then I'll break you. Well, <laughs> that's tough, isn't it? God didn't mess around in the Old Testament. He said, if, if you break before them, if you show weakness before them, I'm going to break you. And you will be broken. And so, so God says, stand for firm and preach the word that I have for you because it's better to take what the people have got for you. It's better to take the punishment they've got for you, the heart and pain they're going to offer you than face my punishment and face my judgment, Jeremiah. So stand firm. Don't break because you don't want to be broken by me. So do my word. Who wants to be a prophet? My goodness me, everybody seems to church they want to be a prophet nowadays. Who in their right mind would really want to be a prophet? Come on. Well, you've got to declare God's word and, and give, put forth God's word. But if you don't do it properly, God's judgment comes upon you in many different ways. Either have been stoned to death or God's judgment or, or God's punishment. And we're going to hear a bit more about prophets as we go along this book and about what, what goes on and what happens especially because the start of the story is, is, is quite, quite exciting. And um, so we're going to read from Jeremiah chapter 1, from verse 1 um, to verse um, 12. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anthoth in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and throughout the reign of Joachim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Israel went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I... Um, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations... Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. 
But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched, his, touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Jeremiah, what a call upon Jeremiah's life. Hey, who wants that call? Who wants anointing of Jeremiah? Anybody? Hands up. Come on, we'll pray for you now. <laughs> Everybody wants the anointing of Elijah, don't they? But Jeremiah, not really. Yeah, not really. And it was a, it's quite a demanding task because the words of the Lord when Jeremiah was appointed and anointed as a prophet to the nation of Judah, it was actually, it was actually quite a good time in the time of the nation. <laughs> it wasn't exactly a bad time. They just had a period of 55 years or so when Manasseh had been king and who was Josiah's grandfather, who was a king at present in Judah. And Manasseh was an awful king. He was, he was the worst king that, that, that Judah and that Jerusalem had ever seen. There was nobody worse than Manasseh. He brought the worship of the Baals, false gods. He brought temple prostitution into God's temple. He, he did terrible and evil things. He even sacrificed his own son to another god. He was totally depraved, but it seems even Manasseh, at the end of his life, that there seems to be that people felt he got good, and he repented and he recovered a bit from all the evil he did, because we we wonder how Josiah actually um, became such a good king if he didn't have any influence, because Josiah's father was rotten as well. He was just as bad as Manasseh, and so we see here. Jeremiah starts to prophesy when Josiah is 21 years old and Josiah became king when he was 8 years old. But when we go back 300 years in time and you, read, you can read 1 Kings chapter 13 and when the first king of Israel is proclaimed after Solomon, Jeroboam, a man of God comes to Jeroboam because Jeroboam wasn't a very good king either. He was quite evil and worshipped idols and did all this thing. It didn't really have a good history, Israel, did it? And Judah, it was like bad king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king, bad king, bad, 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 bad. <laughs> and when the king was bad, the people were bad. When the leadership was bad, the country and nation turned bad and turned away from God because their leadership had turned away from God, so therefore they turned away from God. But Jeroboam, the first king of Israel, because there were two kingdoms after Solomon, it was split in two. You had Judah, which was the southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom, which was Israel. 
And Rehoboam was, um, Jeroboam was the king of Israel. And he was there and he was at Bethel. And Bethel was an altar, a place of worship where people worship God, but they also worship in false idols there. And it was an advantage for Jeroboam to have Bethel because this kingdom just split up and he didn't want his people from his kingdom going down to Jerusalem to worship God. So the advantage was the people would go to Bethel and worship God at Bethel rather in Jerusalem. They could worship God in the high places of Israel rather than going to, to Bethlehem, um, to Jerusalem and worshiping God there. But Jeroboam, he's... He's there and he's worshipping and he's worshipping false idols. And then this, it just says this man of God comes to Jeroboam. That's his name, a man of God. He's a prophet. And he starts to prophesy at the altar of Bethel. And he starts to say, you wicked and evil place. God is going to bring destruction to you. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be split in two. There's going to be ashes pouring out of you. There's going to be human bones sacrificed upon you of false priests and things like this. It's going to be devastation. These high places, these places where you worship false gods are going to be devastated. And it's going to be done by a, a man from the line of David called Josiah. Wow. And then 300 years later in the time of Jeremiah... Josiah is born. And what does Josiah do? Josiah goes and he destroys the altar at Bethel. He destroys the high places. He destroys the, 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 the Asherah poles. He destroys the false temples. All the places where people worship false gods. He goes and destroys them and he turns them to ashes. He goes and he kills the priests of these these, um these false gods and he burns their ashes upon the altars and so there's all the bones of these false priests over these altars and he, and there's, he brings destruction, total destruction to false gods and false priests and false religions within Jerusalem and within the kingdom of Judah and he gets rid of it all even in the temple of God. Can you imagine uh, Josiah uh, uh, is in the temple of God and in the temple of God they've got Manasseh, his grandfather had brought in false gods and they worshipped false gods within the temple. They even had male prostitutes within the temple. They had quarters for male prostitutes that, that Josiah had to cast out. This was how so depraved it had become at that time that even within the temple of God there was sexual immorality and worship of other idols within that sexual immorality. And God raised up Josiah. He would prophesied 300 years ago, I'll bring this king Josiah, and Josiah comes and does God's word. Boom! And he cleanses, he cleanses Jerusalem and Judah of all the false idols, all the false worships. And by the time he's 21 years old, and when Jeremiah has to prophesy, there's been a religious revival in Jerusalem. There's been a religious revival in Judah. 
People are starting to worship God again. They have a king who worshiped God. There's a king who, who makes his sacrifice in the temple. There's a king who worships and adores God. This is a king who rediscovered the law of God, the Torah of Moses. And he read it. He ripped his clothes and he tore his clothes and he wept because he, he knew that people weren't fulfilling God's commands and God's law. He wept and he cried and he said, how are we as a people for so many years not worship God as God is required? How are we not glorify God, honor God? Why are we going into false, false teachings, false laws, false gods, false altars? How have we gone down this route when we have such an incredible God who loves us and rescued us from captivity and only wants to bless us yet continually and continually we have turned away from our God and he wept and he cried and he ripped his clothes and he said, I want to worship and honor this God and I want this God to be glorified and honored throughout the nation and he cleared out the false, the lies. the false prophets, the false priests, the altars, the idols, he cleared them all out. And people started to worship God again. That's quite an exciting time, isn't it? Can you imagine in Jerusalem and Judah starting to see people actually again? They're celebrating the Passover again. How many years had they not celebrated the Passover or not celebrated it properly? But they started to celebrate Jewish festivals again. Passover and worship God and honor God. It was a time of great revival of, of parades and processions throughout Jerusalem and people glorifying that Yahweh is God and they will honor Him and glorify Him. This is revival. This is renewal of the land. But when Josiah's grandfather was King Manasseh, God had already got fed up with them. And he said to Manasseh, because your sins were so great, because you led my people so far astray, I'm going to bring destruction upon Judah and Jerusalem. Because your sin was so great, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem and Judah. And so even when Josiah came and became king, and he did all these reforms, it was too late. And Josiah, he went and consulted the prophets and said, look, we're doing all these reforms, we're doing this revival, we're worshipping God, the temple's renewed, there's all these processions, there's all these festivals, it's just like it was when it was the time of King David, and I'm a king just like after the heart of King David, I love you, and I glorify you, I honour you, I want to see you worshipped in this place. And he went and he consulted the prophet, and the prophet says, God loves you, and God sees your heart, and God sees that you want to bless him, and he will give your reign peace. And you will die in peace. But after you die, destruction will come. As I have said, it will come. Whoa. That's scary, isn't it? So from 300 years from Jeroboam, when it all went wrong, to Josiah, 300 years, to where God lost patience and said, no, it's time to, to finish it. I get a bit scared from that because I'm thinking the Methodist church is getting almost 300 years old. <laughs> What's God going to do? <laughs> Do 
And so Jeremiah, he's got to go there in the midst of this revival and professions and festivals and excitement of Jerusalem. People rediscovering God and he's going to say, yeah, it's wonderful you rediscovered God. It's wonderful you have this revival, but God's going to destroy you anyway. <laughs> That's a great message, isn't it? And so you better repent, you better turn back to God. It's no point in just being religious, it's no point in just doing these festivals, no just point in, in worshipping God. You better get yourselves ready because destruction's coming, captivity's coming, you're going to be taken into Babylon, and when you're taken there, you better be right with God. This is a chance to turn back to God. This is your one chance to know Him and love Him and serve Him and honour Him as He wants you to do. Will you do that even if it means destruction? Will you do that even if disaster is coming your way? Will you repent and come back to God and worship Him as He desires? And I think that that's incredible, isn't it? I think we need a Jeremiah in the midst of revival, don't we? We need Jeremiah in the midst of Renewal, we need that person who's always pushing us back to God, pushing us back to repentance, pushing us to holiness, pushing us deeper, pushing us closer to God, more and more saying we need to know God more, we need to love God more, we need to give God more of our life, we need to sacrifice more for God, we need to honour Him and declare Him. Because it's so easy in Jerusalem at that time when there were the, the religious revival under Josiah, that the people just follow the king and they say, well, the king's pretty angry. If we go and worship our own gods, he'll probably kill us. So we better worship Yahweh. <laughs> and so the people follow the king and they worship God. But do they mean it? They go to the temple and make their sacrifices, but are their hearts sacrificed to God or are they just making religious sacrifice? Are they singing the processions, worship to God? Or are they just doing a religious ritual that they feel must be done? And so Jeremiah's calling them to more. Okay, you're doing all this stuff. You're making the sacrifices. You're doing the processions. You're bringing back the religious festivals. It's great. It's fantastic. But the sin that has been in this nation for so long and for so many generations, God is not going to turn a blind eye to it. And God just doesn't want your religion. He doesn't want your sacrifices. He doesn't want your songs. He wants your heart. He wants a people who love him and adore him from their heart, a people who are passionate for him, a people who desire him, a people who worship him and do the processions and the festivals and the worship and, and sing the songs because their heart is so much in love with God, because they're so thankful for what God has done for them and saved them and rescued them. And they're thinking about being rescued from Egypt and slavery and captivity done generations before. They don't know what that is to, to experience rescue and freedom from slavery and set free as a captive from God. But we know that, don't we know that? We've experienced that through Jesus Christ. We know what it's like to be set free, to not be a captive anymore, to not be held down anymore, to be released, to know that we're forgiven, we're loved, we're a child of God. How much more does God put a demand in our hearts to love Him? How long can we go carrying on saying, I'll just give God religious a religious practice. I'll keep on giving my sacrifice to God. I'll keep on giving my tithe. I'll keep on doing this, but my heart belongs to me. 
How long will God turn a blind eye to religious people who follow all these festivals, do all these things, but their heart's not with them? The end's not far off, is it? Even in the Church of England, you look at the decline that's there and, and they were saying they were putting together all the universities in Birmingham. And they're saying that if you take all the universities in Birmingham, there's about 20,000, 30,000 in each university, and there's a three there. If you take 60,000 60, to 80,000 students across these universities, there would only be 400 Anglicans in that university. That's scary, isn't it? Out of 60,000 to 80,000 people, there will only be 400 Anglicans within that student body. How many Methodists? One? Two? <laughs> Where is the future? How fast is the end coming for God and his church? But God says... There's time to turn, there's time to repent, there's time to seek him, to desire him, to give him your heart, to be in fire for him again, to say, I love you, Lord, and I want to see the generation after generation one. I don't want to see a generation going to destruction, but I want to see a generation going to heaven, amen. I want to see a generation raised up who love God, who serve God, who, who know him, who know him from a people who are in fire for him and desire him and worship him from the depths of the heart, not just from the religious practice, because people don't want religion, they want God. Can you give them God? Can they meet God through you? And so in the midst of that hard call, in the midst of that challenge, that difficulty, in the midst of revival and renewal, Jeremiah has to come and bring this message of misery. Repent. <laughs> Turn from your sins. Come back to God. And the people are going, what are you talking about? We have repented. We have come back to God. Look at the temple. Look at our worship. Look what we're doing. It's amazing. And Jeremiah says, God wants more. God wants more. He wants holiness. He wants your heart. He wants a life dedicated to him. Are you ready to give him it? Are you ready to give him your heart? Are you ready to say he's worthy of everything? And Jeremiah's call and commission the word of the Lord came to him saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He said to him, I raised you up. I brought you forth from a time like this. That before you were born, before you were formed, I was preparing, just like I prepared Josiah. And I was preparing him to come and do my mighty work as king at this time. So my hand was upon you and I was preparing the way for you, Jeremiah, to be born and to come into this world to do my purpose, my pack, my commands, to show my love. Before I formed you, the womb I knew you. Isn't that amazing? And we can't stretch it too far, but I like to think about, wow, 
that when we were in the womb that God knew us. Amen. His hand was upon us. He had a a purpose for us, a plan for us. He raised us up to be a voice for a generation, a voice for nations, a a voice for the kingdom of God. For whatever anointing that Jeremiah had, Elijah had, that John the Baptist had, Jesus said their anointing, the experience of the Holy Spirit they had is nothing compared to the experience of the Holy Spirit we have now today. That they only wished to see the kingdom of God come, the power that is upon us for the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. Now, that is incredible. And if we have a spirit upon us and within us that's greater than Jeremiah had within him, greater than Elijah, greater than John the Baptist, how much more is God looking at the womb and said, before you were formed, I gave Jesus Christ for you. Before you were formed, I had a plan and a purpose for you to raise you up, that you might speak forth, not of religion, not of hopelessness, but a God who loved you, a God who set you free, a God who redeemed you, a God who restored you, a God who saved the nations and lead people to salvation. God had his hand upon you. Do you believe that? You're not here today because you don't have a purpose. You're here because you have a purpose. You're here because God has appointed you to part of his church, part of his body, to prophesy, to pray, to preach, to heal, to teach. He's raised you up for a purpose and it's time to stand up and work in that purpose, isn't it? It's time to start to to rise up and be the people of God, the body of Christ, and start to live upon that anointing, knowing that before you were formed in the womb, God knew you, He loved you, and He put you in this place for a purpose and a reason. He raised you up for this time for a reason. Do you believe that God's raised you up this time for a reason? Has He just raised you up so you can just die? He's raised you up for a purpose and a reason. He's raised you up to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. He's raised you up to be filled and anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's raised you up to move in power, to challenge kingdoms and kings and authorities. He's raised you up to turn nations over. It's just we can't get on our heads, can we? We can't conceive the power that is within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot conceive the authority that we have in our lives and our words and our speech and our actions that can transform the world around us. And before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you to a prophet to the nations. Then he said, Ah, Lord God, truly you don't know how to speak. Truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord says, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to whom I send you, and you shall speak to whoever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. So I've said to you, God's appointed you. God knew you before you were formed in the womb. He's appointed you. He's raised you up. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. He's given you giftings and anointings. He's consecrated you into the body of Christ. He's made you part of his body for a purpose. And everybody who's part of the body of Christ, and that's you, has a role, a purpose, a function, a reason to live. You have words to speak prayers to give, actions to do, lives to change, nations to touch. Yet maybe you're like Jeremiah and you're saying, oh, that's nice, Gary, it's a nice sermon, but, you know, who am I? Who am I? I can't speak. I can't preach. 
I can't teach. I've tried healing lots of people, but it's never really worked. <laughs> I've tried doing lots of things. I've been in the band. I've done this and done that. But, but how is God going to use me? Who am I? Now, for a child of God to ask who they are, <laughs> the answer is in the very thing. You are a child of God. You are part of the body of Christ. And Jesus gave his son to die for you that you might be sitting here this morning ready to receive and be open to his word that you will serve him and serve his kingdom in an incredible and powerful way. You are so important it's like one of the old preachers said, I think it's from the Alpha Course as well, he said, um, even if you were the only person on the planet that existed, Christ would have died for you. Isn't that incredible? Christ would have died for you. There's a cost that's upon your life. Do you realize that? There's blood that's upon your life, the blood of Jesus. There's an anointing which is upon your life. And you can make excuses and say, I'm not good enough, or I can't speak, or I can't do this, or I'm not a prophet, I can't heal, I can't preach, I can't teach, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not that type of person. There's other people who can do that. Well, that's the lies of the enemy. Let me tell you now, it's a lies of the enemy because God says you can speak because God says to Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth and you will speak the words that I give you. You don't even need the words. That's amazing, isn't it? You don't even need the words. You just say to God, God, you give me the words that I can speak because I want to speak your words because there's no point speaking our words, is there? We want to speak the words that God gives us. And with Dave and Dave Bell and I were talking before we came in and we were saying, we make it so complicated sometimes. Christianity and religion and faith and all these things that we do. But actually our main job is to introduce somebody to Jesus, isn't it? It's to introduce somebody to Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Have you met Jesus? We've got a lot of conversions to do here. Nobody's met Jesus. Did you hear that podcast? <laughs> Have you met Jesus? Yeah. How did you meet him? Did he come to you? Did he, did he come in your heart and your mind? Did he convince you that he is your saviour and your Lord? That meeting him transformed you forever, that you could never be the same again? Can you introduce somebody else to that saviour? To Jesus? It doesn't take a lot, does it? All you need to ask somebody, if you want to know Jesus, just ask him, Jesus, can you show me who you are? Can you reveal yourself to me? Can you come to your heart? Can you say that? You don't have to convince somebody. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to have big debates. But you just say, well, I've met Jesus, so if I met him, you could probably meet him too. Is that not logical? No? Is that too difficult? Is that too challenging? Is that too hard? But that's the primary call upon your life to be bearers of good news because you've received good news. It may not look like it, but you have. I can tell deep down. <laughs> it's there somewhere, good news. It's definitely there. 
There's some smiles now, praise God. <laughs> but you received good news. And what do you do when you've got good news? You want to... Amen. So what are you going to do with this good news you've got? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. I'll see what God's got to say. I'll do a fast. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do a pilgrimage. I'll do that. But God says he's giving you this good news. If you don't declare it, he'll get somebody else to declare it. If you don't use your mouth, he'll use somebody else's mouth. But the problem is when you get there and you stand before God in glory, what's God going to say to you? I raised you up to speak to you your mouth. I want to put my words into your mouth, but this person over there, I need to use them. All these people that came to salvation and know me and love me now and spend eternity have come through this person because you wouldn't open your mouth. You wouldn't be obedient to me. You wouldn't listen to me. You wouldn't speak to me. You wouldn't submit to me. You wouldn't move my spirit. You wouldn't pray for the thousand and one person that I was going to heal. <laughs> you prayed for a thousand people but it was number one thousand and one I was going to heal. Why did you give up? And so God's placed a huge responsibility like he's placed on Jeremiah. And you can make excuses like Jeremiah and say, I can't speak, I can't do it, I'm not anointed, I'm not gifted. I don't know anybody who's not Christian. Well, go and get to know somebody who's not Christian. (laughs) And share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't speak it, what's God going to say to you? Because God has anointed you to speak this goodness. And I know I want to stand before him and say, God, I've done your will. And I tell you what, I'd rather be broken by people who reject me because I speak of Jesus Christ than be broken by God because I didn't speak. Because it's much better now to have people laugh at me now because I speak about Jesus Christ or share his good news than it is to stand before God and be broken and hurt and in pain and lost because I didn't speak. And I see his glory and I see his holiness and I see who's lost because I wasn't willing to be his mouth and his feet and his hands in the world. And he says, don't say I'm only a boy. Because Josiah was only a boy. And God called Josiah to do the reforms and Josiah made those reforms. So Jeremiah's got no excuse. If I raised you to be a prophet, Jeremiah, and you're young, I can use whoever I want to use. And I can speak through whoever I want to speak through. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) So it doesn't matter who you are, if you're a boy or a child, a girl, whatever, God can speak through you. God can use you. There is no excuses. So we start off Jeremiah by saying there's no excuses. No excuses. You just pray, God, I don't have the words, give me the words. God, I don't have the anointing, give me the anointing. God, I don't have the gifting, give me the gifting. God, I don't have the people to talk to, give me the people to talk to. (laughs) 
Because God has called you to and God will open the doors and the opportunities for you to do it. But think about when you have to stand before God and say, God, I was disobedient my whole life. I never spoke for you. I never stood out for you. I worshipped you. I went to church. I made the sacrifices. I did the right things. But I never, never spoke for you. I gave you my heart the way I should have. That you desired. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your prophet Jeremiah. We thank you for the incredible anointing you put on his life, Lord, that in the midst of revival and religious renewal, Lord, that you took him there with a challenge, a word of challenge, a word of change, a word of transformation, a word of repentance, Lord, to call the people's hearts back to you, Lord. Lord, that after many years of immorality, of worshiping false gods, Lord, that they had a symbol and a king of Josiah and a prophet in Jeremiah. And Lord, we just pray that you will raise up Josiahs within our churches, Lord, within our communities, that you raise up Jeremiah's to transform and change and to challenge us to go deeper, to be more holy, to seek your presence more and desire more and not to be satisfied with religion or satisfied with festivals, satisfied with rituals and routines, but to come to the point where we know that we have given you all and given you our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.